This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, February 5th, 2012. As seen in the HB, Super Oxy Powered Encouragement. Yeah, Bobby Blaze, Bobby Blaze. So today we start a new series uh, as seen in the HB. HB, of course, is the Holy Bible. Our focus this morning is Super Oxy-powered encouragement. And good morning, Connection Church. I am so encouraged that each one of you are here today. It would be just terrible to talk to an empty room. So it's not by accident that you're here because God nudged you through the grace of God to be here. And we're glad that you uh, made that decision to respond. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we do thank you for today that you nudged us, that you wooed us here. We may not even recognize that, but that's the truth. And Lord, that everybody in this place is a child of yours, whether they know it or not. And that we're here to experience you. God, open up our hearts. Help us set aside the agenda of later today and just focus on you right now. We pray this in your most holy and blessed name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Super oxy-empowered encouragement is something we all need. and, And obviously it comes from an encourager. It comes from a great encourager. At least that's what evangelist, professor, author, and uh, visionary Leonard Sweet says in his book. It's called Eleven, Indispensable Relationships You Can't Be Without. There's 11 indispensable relationships. Number five on the list of indispensable relationships is an encourager. In fact, this is what Sweet shares. He says this. He says, You need affirmation, attention, and encouragement as much as you need food, shelter, and rest. You need what the church calls an acolyte. Some of you might know an acolyte often in in the more traditional churches, often a kid, maybe a teenager, who lights the Christ candle to start the service. Carries one of those things and lights the candle. We aren't quite that official here. Actually, Ted Pulitzer's our acolyte. Ted, actually, yeah. Is Ted in here? Ted's our acolyte. He's a a little older than the the typical church acolyte. (laughs) And he doesn't wear a robe, but yeah, in fact, he is our acolyte. He lights that Christ candle every Sunday. It represents the light of Christ. Here's what uh, Sweet says. says, you need a church culture, what they call an acolyte, someone to light your candle, to keep it lit and encourage you when it gets dark. Every word of praise you receive is a star in the night sky. Yeah. I'm sure that each one of us here today recognizes the value of encouragement. You know, who hasn't enjoyed or experienced an encouraging word, a word that, that lifts us up, that helps us uh, keep going, to give us a boost, to give us a spark? On the flip side, think of those words, those folks who have said words that just suck the life out of you, that uh, deflate, deflate your sails, who just tear you down. Um, I think that we would consistently choose to be around those who are encouraging rather than discouraging. Yeah. You know, I I love language. I love words. I was an English major in college, and I 
words are just always, um, well, they just fascinate me. And so this word, encourage, the root of that is the word courage. Think about that. And, and that word comes from a French word. I think it's pronounced cur, and that word means heart. So encouragement then would mean to put heart into someone. That's interesting, isn't it? But think about the opposite. Discouragement. Discouragement when would then be to take the heart out of someone. Mm. You know, they say if, if, you, uh, if you hear a discouraging word, it takes 10 words of encouragement to overcome that. Isn't that incredible? 10 to 1. And that's just to stay even. That's not to put you on the plus side. 10 to 1. You know, that encouragement, discourage. So, and that discouragement, to, doesn't that what it feels like when somebody gives you a word of discouragement that they cut your heart out? Yeah. And so we want to be very careful not to be heart cutter outers, <laughs> but we want to be heart putter inners, don't we? We want to be encouragers. We want to be full of encouragement. The Bible is full of encouragers. One of the examples that we'd like to use today, she's found in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, in the book of Judges. And her name is Deborah. Deborah was a prophetess, and she was the only female judge named in Scripture. She was the leader of Israel. Well, long story short, she called a guy named Barak and shared with him that the Lord wanted Barak to lead 10,000 men into battle. Well, he told Deborah that he would only do this if she went with him. And she told him that she would go. But because he didn't step up and take command himself, the honor of victory would not be his, since God would hand the opposition's leader over to Deborah. Well, when the battle, when they get to the battle, Deborah does stand by his side. She encourages him, and here's what she says. She says to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Cicero into your hand. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all the chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak uh, 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 pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Hagwim. All the troops of, uh, of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Barak needed encouragement, needed the encouragement of Deborah. He needed her to go with him, and Deborah did that. And then she showed true leadership as she encouraged him to lead the troops and to follow where the Lord was leading. Now, another Old Testament example of a person who was a great encourager is, uh, is the person named Ruth. Maybe some of you have heard of her. I, we shared Ruth's story last uh, summer. I think it was in August. She lived, as did Deborah, around the time where the judges ruled Israel. And as we talked last summer about her, um, about how, we talked about how, how after her husband died, she stuck with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, in that society, women were very dependent on men. Naomi's husband and both of her sons were dead. She was in a very tough spot. She was basically on her own. She had no other men to care for her. And like I say, in our society, well, take care of yourself. Well, it was a very, very different culture, a way different way of doing business. It was a very difficult place for her to be. 
But Ruth stuck by her. Ruth says, I'm not going to leave. Ruth was the encourager, uh, letting her know that she was not alone, that Ruth was with her. She did it not just with words, but with actions as well. Here's what Ruth said to her. Don't urge me to leave you, (coughs) excuse me, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And she was just lip service. She stuck by uh, uh, Naomi, ended up marrying, and they were able to care for her. Interesting side note, Ruth is in the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. There's a good amen for you. Now, there are other encouragers in the Bible over and over and over. We see it, but one of the greatest is found in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, the part about uh, life after Jesus. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas. His actual birth name was Joseph, though. The followers of Jesus, the apostles, gave him the name Barnabas after he sold a field and put the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. Interesting that why they chose that name. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. Well, there you go. Well, Barnabas had a multi-dimensional ministry of encouragement. You know, one example is how he encouraged Saul, who was later known as Paul, when Saul first became a follower of Jesus. Saul was someone who persecuted the followers of Christ And then there's a very dramatic way that the Lord dealt with him. He accepted the Lord Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And here's what happened and how Barnabas encourages him. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now this persecution caused many to scatter all across the region to scatter to faraway places. And what this did was that the good news was able to be spread far and wide. Now, they were mostly preaching to the Jews, but in some places like Antioch, they shared with the Greeks as well. The Greeks were non-Jews. We call them Gentiles. So as a result, the Gentiles, as well as the Jews, became followers of Jesus. Mm. After hearing about this, the the home church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Here's what Scripture says about that adventure. When he, Barnabas, arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and there's that word, say it with me, encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. 
And so there is that word, encouraged. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with what? With all their hearts. Wow. He encouraged them. It was really hard to be a Christian back then. I mean, they could lose their very life by uttering the name of Christ. And Barnabas encouraged them to remain true, to hold steadfast to the Lord. And he continued to encourage Saul as they, for a whole year, they went about, they met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. It's interesting here to note that Barnabas was the leader at this point, and and Saul was the apprentice, so to speak. Mm. And later that changed, where Saul was the leader, and Barnabas kind of was his more or less helper. Actually, they, they worked together for a while, but then, then they had a disagreement about a young man, a guy named John Mark, who uh, uh, Barnabas wanted to take on the mission, but Paul said no because John Mark had previously abandoned them. You know, but Barnabas, you know, he's the encourager. He's going to give the guy another chance. He's going to say, and, and so actually Barnabas and, and, and Saul, they, they, and Paul split on this. And uh, uh, Paul and, uh, and another guy named Silas went one way, and Barnabas and John Mark, who happened to be his cousin, sailed in another direction and went on to Cyprus to minister to the people there. So in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see over and over and over again Barnabas as an encourager, the one who lifts up rather than tears down the one who looks for the good in others rather than uh, looks for the bad, the one who puts heart into people rather than rips heart and soul out of. Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement, and he lived that out. Mm. Well, what, what's it going to take to offer super oxy-powered encouragement What's it going to take for us to be like Barnabas, for us to be a Barnabas for someone else? What's it going to take? Well, Leonard Sweet says that Barnabas was an encourager, not an embalmer. Now, that's kind of interesting. Encourager, not an embalmer. Have you ever been encouraged and it feels like, flattery. It's just sort of empty words. It doesn't mean a whole lot. That's not the kind of encouragement we're talking about. We're talking about breathing true life, real life into someone, seeing the good, not the bad, building up, being an encourager. Being an encourager. Sweet goes on to share that an encourager is someone who holds, I'll say, as we say these things, if you can kind of connect with him, who holds up those tired and weary arms when you're too tired to hold them up yourself. It's someone who can add a hand when you rarely or barely hear the sound of that one hand clapping. Doesn't make much sound, does it? It's nice when somebody can add to it. An encourager, a Barnabas, is someone who gives you permission to fail. Permission to not get it exactly right the first time you try. It's someone who can remind you that the God that God gives you just enough to make it through the day some days. 
It's someone who dares you to remember that the God who called you into life is the same God who calls you into ministry, whatever that ministry might be. It's someone who reminds you that you have the privilege of loving everybody around you. Here's probably my favorite, and I think you all might be able to really connect with this one. It's someone who will lift you up when you're road-whipped, world-weary, bone-tired, blood-thin, button-holding, and brow-beaten. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. You know, Leonard Sweet is, is quite a, a wordsmith. Yes, he is. He uh, describes in one part of, her book, of his book what a Barnabas uh, is all about. A Barnabas leaves a porch light on, not the 100-watt spotlight so as to ferret out where you've been, but more like the 10 or 15 watt white energy efficient compact fluorescent bulb. Something to warm, something warm to welcome you home and let you know you are missed. Well, we'd like to close this morning on a personal note. Literally, it's a personal note. <laughs> I want to share with you a note that I, I keep in my desk. Um, and I look at it once in a while. It's a, it's a great, good reminder for me of how important it is to be an encourager and how very, very simple it can be. It's a note written to my dad when he drove a shuttle bus for the University of Delaware many years ago. Now, for him, this was later in life. It was a part-time job. And, um, but I, I truly believe, especially after reading this note, that it wasn't just a job. It was more of a calling. You see, the job he got paid to do was to transport students from point A to point B. That, that's what shuttle drivers do. When he, what he, that's what he, was, uh, what he was called to do, and, and actually, I doubt he was even aware of this, was, was so much more than just transporting students from point A to B. And, and this note reminds me of that. It's a note that's uh, addressed to Mr. Bus Driver, the truly funniest one on campus. Okay, so you, now you know where it comes uh. from. And this is written, there's a little smile with the sunshine up in the corner, and it's written um, April the 4th, 1983. If I get through this without choking up, it'll be a miracle because it hasn't happened yet, but we'll see. Dear bus driver, this June 4th, I graduate. I just want to let you know a few things. First of all, when I think back on my college years and the three I spent in the towers, that's a dormitory up on the north part of the University of Delaware campus, the three I spent in the towers, I tend to think about the bus rides I've encountered. Secondly, you tend to come to mind, especially this year since you drive Loop A. You are extremely funny and always make me smile no matter how much I don't want to smile. Lastly, I think about how I'll miss this place and those bus rides, but I know that life goes on and I have to get my tail into the job market. <laughs> I hope you continue driving as long as you want. Maybe someday you will see something new around here on campus. Please keep us students smiling. You have a knack for cheering up the uncheerables. God be with you. Christine Farino. Yeah. Now, I, I doubt my dad, that's just, he was just being himself. You know, just being himself, having a good time. 
I doubt he realized he was being a Barnabas as he was driving his, driving his shuttle bus. He was just having a good time connecting with the kids as he took them from North Campus down to the other end. But, yeah, he was. And, and you know, it didn't take much, a word or two, uh, to brighten the day, to bring a little smile to the face. But what somebody brought out to me at the end of that um, first service is how Christine was an um, encourager. I found this note five years later when I was going through my dad's things when he passed away. Obviously, this was important. He didn't keep a lot of this. So obviously, this was very important to him. See how encouraging this little note? How often do we not write the note that we should write? On the other hand, how often do we not make our job more than just a job and allow, it, allow ourselves to be Barnabases in the, in the context of our day-to-day activities. Well, the question becomes, how about you? Whose Barnabas are you going to be? Are you going to put words of encouragement to lift someone up or to use words to tear somebody down? Are you uh, going to make it your business to inflate the sales or deflate sales, to put heart into or to take heart out of. You know, we have such a great gift that Jesus gives us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our encourager who whispers things into us, keep on, I love you, Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit also is the great convictor of those times when we might tear someone down, when we might not use our words to encourage, but rather discourage. So when you also get that nudge from the Spirit, it's time to pay attention to that, to make amends, and then to be a new creation, as we just sang about a little while ago, a new creation in Christ. And so we encourage you today to think about being a Barnabas, being an encouragement. Whose Barnabas are you going to be? And who are you going to offer some super oxy-powered encouragement to? That's the question for today. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, it... Wow. There are times when we speak or our actions just take the heart out of others. Help us during those times when we may need to correct or to help steer someone differently to use encouraging words, not flattery, not fake, but real words that lift up rather than tear down. That put life into rather than pull life out of. And God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, our encourager. We thank you for your son Jesus, who ultimately gave his life so that we might have joy and share that joy, share encouragement with others. We do thank you and praise you for this day and all days. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit.
and all of Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.